Okay, beloved, let's turn in our Bibles to the seventh chapter of the book of Hebrews. The book to the Hebrews. I'm going to read from verse 4 down to verse 20. Or we'll say 21. Ah, 22. I'd read the whole thing, but I have to limit myself or I'll charge through the chapter. From verse 4, from the book of Hebrews, chapter 7, verse 4. Just think how great he was. Even the patriarch Abraham gave him a tenth of the plunder. Now the law requires that the descendants of Levi who become priests to collect a tenth from the people, that is, their brothers, even though their brothers are descended from Abraham. This man, however, did not trace his descent from Levi, yet he collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. And without doubt, the lesser person is blessed by the greater in one case, the tenth is collected by men who die, but in the other case, by him who is declared to be living. One might even say that Levi, who collects the tenth, paid the tenth through Abraham, because when Melchizedek met Abraham, Levi was still in the, bo- in the body of his ancestor. If perfection could have been obtained through the Levitical priesthood, for on the basis of the law was given to the people, why was there still need for another priest to come, one in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of Iron? Iron. For with When there is a change of the priesthood, there must also be a change of the law. For he of whom these things are said belong to a different tribe. And no one from that tribe has ever served at the altar. For it is clear that our Lord descended from Judah. And in regard to that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. And what we have said is even more clear. If another, if another priest like Melchizedek appears, one who has become a priest, not on the basis of a regulation as to his ancestry, but on the basis of the power of an indestructible life, for it is declared, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless. For the law made no nothing perfect. And a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. And it was not without an oath. Others became priests without any oath. But he became a priest with an oath when God said to him... The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. Because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantee of a better covenant. Amen. Amen. Beloved, as we understand and remember where we are in this text, the writer to the Hebrews is 
communicating to his hearers or writers or those who would listen or read the greater essence, foundation, the supremacy of Jesus Christ over the old. Uh, we talked, if you remember, how that there was, had been difficulties at this time. There was beginning, the Jews were beginning to feel the weight of the cross, the hardships of persecution. Their allegiance to Jesus Christ was drawing them away from the old system. The more godly they became, the greater the distance was between them and the old system of religion. Indeed, the system of religion in the early first century had really departed from the biblical text and a new system of traditions had grown around those biblical texts so that many of the systems had been buried, had been concealed behind man-made traditions or that's just the way we do it, that's the way we've always done it, even though they had only been doing it for a few hundred years. This system of temple worship now, as the, again, as the Jews began to follow Christ, there was a distance and they began to feel the weight. And the question came up about the legitimacy of Jesus' right to act as an intermediate, as a priest, as an advocate, one who speaks for another before God. Because the question was, where does he find his credentials? Indeed, to be a priest of the old system... You had to be of the line of Levi, of Aaron. You had to have those in your DNA to be part of that promise. And our Lord Jesus Christ wasn't part of that as we've read there today. So the writer here, he's answering that problem and he's solving that difficulty. Putting people right. We've seen in the past how... The writer here is convincing those who are hearing of the authenticity of Jesus' priesthood. How is Jesus legitimate in his service for you and for me? That's a great question. We, in our day, we don't really think like that. Certainly we who are not Jews, we don't get caught up on the minutiae and the difficulty. How is Jesus qualified to represent me before God. And for you and I, we don't really think of God. It's not a real problem for us. Kind of bump over that and go into other things. For you and I, we think of Jesus much more as a king than a priest. We don't have the system where a man must represent us. He takes the, the lamb, the sheep, and cuts its throat sprays the blood everywhere, catches it in a golden bowl, comes and anoints, walks over to you, anoints your ear, slaps you about with a, a bush of bloody blah. Is there, in a representation of what God must do, in a repre representation of how serious your sin is, we, we don't have that experience. We don't have the experience of smelling the blood of Hearing the, the wet splashing. You know. Our experience of priests, for the most part, or at least 
the common experience is some nice middle-aged man with a fishy handshake. Some man dressed in weird garb in some sort of Star Wars-like robe with a scarf giving it all this. Speaking in a very strange way that is not normal. And everyone has to believe that I'm holy. They're even taught to speak that way, another, to make them otherworldly. Our experience isn't of some butch man who's able to grab a sheep and lift it up with one hand, chop its head off. Again, when we think of Christ, I hope it is with the thought of a king. And we understand his kingship because he is the son of David. And God promised that one of the sons of David would be king upon the throne forever. And we realize that. And for the Jews, that wasn't a problem. They understood that he, was, he had the qualifications to be a king. He was a son of David. And therefore, had legitimacy. But when it came to serving before God, to be the one who offered up sacrifice, there was a big question mark. And it caused a lot of insecurity in the hearts of those and I, I, I told you this before, at this time there was a, a moving back. Many people among the Jews began to kind of uh, compromise. Do you remember in the book of Galatians, Paul actually tells us that he rebuked Peter, that great rock. Because he had stopped eating with the Gentiles. He had gone back. There was a moving back. Do you remember? Mark, John Mark. I was going to call it say Barnabas. But it was Barnabas' nephew, John Mark. Who drew back. When he realized that the, those converts were not living to the Jewish standards of religion. And there was a going back. We remember the difficulties between brothers, fathers and sons, mothers and daughters. When they, the Jews who were not converted, would go up to the temple to offer up religious sacrifices for their sins. And those Christians wouldn't have to because they, they believed that Christ had paid for their sins. And they no longer had to offer up sacrifices because it was finished on their behalf. That the old had passed away and the new had come. And you can imagine the difficulties that that would have caused in the households. Jesus warned his disciples about it. We remember again Saul who became Paul and the great persecution that he did Writing out, seeking after all of the converts, imprisoning some and leading to the death of Stephen. There was a great troubling of the church. And part of that, of course, was the uncertainty of the hearts. How is Jesus legitimate? And this answers this question. And here, the writer of the Hebrews, the Holy Spirit through the writer of the Hebrews, down through the church of all the ages, down to you and I here today, is speaking to you and I. 
not just about the legitimacy that Jesus fulfills the qualifications and the, 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 the necessary elements needed to be a priest before God, but that he is superior to the old system. The old system was good for what it did, but it wasn't enough to bring man into right relationship with God. So the writer here is demonstrating, speaking so clearly. He wants you to understand and know, not that it's just as good as, but it's superior to. And he's using Melchizedek. Melchizedek, the king of righteousness, the king of peace, the king of Salem. The priest of the Most High God. He's showing how Abraham, who was the, the patriarch, the father of all Jews, the man whom all Jews look to with pride, I am a child of Abraham. They would boast of that fact. Abraham, who met with God and who received promises from God, and they would look and they would say, There's no man has been as great as Abraham. No man has ever received as much from God. And we're descendants. We're, we're part of that. The great connection. A great swell of pride. But yet here in this text, the writer demonstrates that even the, the great patriarch, even the great father Abraham, bowed the knee to this man. He gave a, a section of his booty. I like that word booty. The wealth that he had won in the battle against those kings. And he gave a tenth of it, the, the king's share. It wasn't a small thing. It was a declaration, you are greater than I. I bow the knee to your authority. I recognize your legitimacy and your qualifications. And by doing this, saying this, the writer here quietens all the Jews. Those who would boast in Abraham, saying that there, were no greater, there was no greater man in the ancient world than Abraham. And yet here's Abraham buying, that he, recognizing and acknowledging that this man was greater than he. So he's, once again, Showing us, not that this is just a, a better one. You know, I used to read this and think greater, as in one is good, but another is greater. It's slightly better. Don't think when we read the word greater, he said slightly better. He's meaning that it's sublimely superior. One doesn't work and the other works. One is but a shadow and the other is the reality. When you talk, I'm talking about Christ's priesthood in comparison to the priesthood of Aaron, the Levitical priesthood. One is but a shadow. The essence of what is to come, Christ is reality. Have you ever seen one of those shadow puppet shows? Yeah, they have a screen and someone's underneath and they have shadows. And some of them are amazing. You look at the Chinese ones or the Indian ones on YouTube, they're amazing. They're just, you know, they're, they're fantastic. I remember watching the, uh, the, um, the myth of the monkey, you know, the monkey king. 
and uh, and it looked like it was 3D, even though it was just shadows. It was wonderful. In the same way that the puppet masters were able to bring those silhouettes to life and to give you the impression that they were real characters upon a screen. The Lord God has taken these figures from history and has represented the things that are to come. Today I would like to speak from verse 11, hopefully down to verse 21. The writer is pointing out that the old system of the law, and when we talk about the law, I don't want you to think of the Ten Commandments or a list of do's and don'ts. When he's talking, when he's talking about the law, he's talking about the system of religion, the process by which a man is made clean. That process by which we are reconciled to God. That is that which is required by God to make you holy or given by God that we might give religious ordinance. Here in verse 11 he says, If perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood, for on the basis of it the law was given to the people, why was there still need for another priest to come? One in the order of Melchizedek and not of the order of iron. He is demonstrating that this is not a new thing. You can imagine one of the criticisms that was made was you're introducing new doctrine. You're making stuff up. Jesus is our, our priest. Where does that come from? That's new and therefore can't be received. I actually had a discussion with a Presbyterian gentleman once. And he said to me, Ah, oh, you Baptists. You Baptists have been, you, you, this, all this um, being baptized as an adult. Well, that's just new doctrine that was introduced by the, the Anabaptists and was seen as heresy throughout the Reformation. And he really kind of you know, tried to, to pull from uh, historical theology, or history at least, how that we have, we, there's, it's, it's all new in the 2,000 years. And I said, but sir, in the New Testament, there are only Baptists, there are no other infant baptizers. And I was oh, the household of Stephen, the household of the Philippian jailer, and, and these others. And I said, but sir, there are none. And he tried to silence me by saying that this is new, it's not from the scriptures, you don't see it anywhere in the Bible. I was like, well, sir, here, 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 and there. And he's like, yes, but. And he would try and appeal to other things. There was the question again is this a new thing that you're in bringing in? Indeed, when Martin Luther discovered the justification by faith doctrine, the Roman Catholic said, This is a new thing, and tried to shut him up and close him down by saying, well, this is not part of our history. This is not a historical doctrine that we've been preaching or, or the councils have recognized. You're trying to introduce new doctrine into the church. Martin Luther said, well, I appeal to Scripture. It's in the Bible. I don't care about church history. It's in the Bible. I don't care about the councils of 
Rome. It's in the Bible. And in the Bible alone is where we find our authority. And the writer here has done the same. He has reached back into the scriptures. And he has found in the promises of God. And he says, contrasting the Levitical, the priesthood that has come through iron by or with the promise of God to supply a new priest. So he's saying this isn't a new doctrine. It's something that God had promised from before. He's also making it very clear that it was never God's intention to bring perfection through the Levitical priesthood. It was never God's intention that by a set of rule keeping and religious ordinances that we would be able to make ourselves perfect. The word perfect meaning complete. Fully restored. That our relationship with God would be fully restored by a set of rules or by your personal actions. He's pointing out the obvious. And he's pointing out the fact that God knew this before and had already established a system in place to cover it. Verse 12, for whether there had been a change for, sorry, for when there is a change of priesthood, there must also be a change in the law. I love that. As someone who, I, I, get, I look at Daniel, New Covenant Theology there. This is a, one of those verses that should make you say, Hallelujah, Amen. When I read this this week, I thought to myself, Ha ha, covenantal brethren. Ah. Jesus Christ didn't just institute a new priesthood in that he came and kind of pushed all the priests of iron out of the way and said, Okay, boys, now I am the real priest, but then continued in the old system. When he introduced the new priesthood, he brought in a new system, cancelling the one that was before. Him, Jesus Christ, supersedes. He is greater than, therefore, his system is greater than the Levitical system. Puts an end to it. That's why we don't sacrifice sheep. That's why we don't all head to Jerusalem three times a year. All the men do. The ladies, you just come along for the ride. The fetus. The men have to do all the work. We don't have that anymore. There isn't a, 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 a red rope around the, the, the building in order that we can only walk a certain amount of steps every, every Lord's Day. Why we don't meet on the Sabbath in Jewish tradition, you were only allowed to travel a certain distance from the synagogue on, on the Lord's Day. So to prevent you from breaking the law, they tied a red rope or a red string around the synagogue. And they would count out the steps. And if you were, and I'm not quite sure if it was like 7,000 steps there, but then if you were only allowed to walk 7,000 steps and you got to the red rope, what would you do? Would you have to sit there and wait till the Sabbath's over? Or could you walk back? I don't know. Foolishness. We don't have that system anymore because Jesus Christ is a priest of a new system. 
of a new covenant, of something different than the old. The old has passed away with all of its rules and regulations. Indeed, he carries on and says here, in verse 13, He of whom these things are said belong to a different tribe. No one from that tribe has ever served at the altar. Here he's speaking of the obvious, our Lord Jesus Christ. And it was, it's very interesting to know that Jesus' pedigree, his, his ancestry, was very well known. Either from the lists in Matthew and Luke. But it's very well known that he was a son of David. That he was descended from the, the tribe of Judah and would serve as a king. That is not in dispute. That is accepted widely. And then in verse 14. For it is clear that our Lord descended from Judah. And in regard to that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. Verse 15. And what we have said is even more clear if another priest like Melchizedek appears. For one who has become a priest, not on the basis of regulation as to his ancestry, but on the basis of the power of an indestructible life. Jesus didn't become a priest because he inherited from his father. It wasn't a, a nominal thing. It wasn't a, a, an earthly quality. He had gone to a certain school and he had got this and he, he, he won it. He earned it. His priesthood was given to him because of the, and I like this, indestructible life. Who he was in his very nature. His divine person. That he was timeless. That word has been in my head all this week. When we have been going through the uh, priest for forever. Timeless. You and I are limited in our understanding of time. We think of time sort of from now and carrying on. Forever is from now until Forever. But truly in the, in the ancient world they thought of forever as being for as far as you can go that way and for as far as you can go that way timeless. Without limitation. Not from this moment on but from forever to forever. From eternity past you can go as far that way as you can possibly go in time and space. And you can go as far as that way in time and space. You'll never come to the end. Timeless. Endless. And Jesus Christ is a priest. Not on the basis of who his daddy was. Or his grandfather was. Or indeed his far and distant ancestor was. It's because he in himself is Timeless. His divine nature gives him his qualification to be able to stand as our intercessor. The one who stands before God on our behalf and offers up sacrifices on our behalf. He is supremely qualified. He's the only one who's qualified. There is no other. Jesus didn't come and establish the secret order of the knights of 
Melchizedek, although that would be cool. He didn't come and put together some new priesthood that would serve in the temple of Melchizedek. Why? Because he is unique in that order as Melchizedek was unique. Remember the writer says we don't know his genealogy. We don't know who came before him. We don't know who came after him. He stands alone in history. Well, in some, in some sense, Christ does exactly the same. Because of his divine nature, his timelessness, his without limit, he stands alone. And he is the one who represents us. Beloved, see how superior, how uniquely qualified Jesus is to represent you. He brought in this, again, I don't want to say a, a new priesthood. He established this new covenant with his absolute timeless priesthood. Verse 15. And what we have said is even more clear from the priest like Melchizedek appears. If another priest like Melchizedek appears... One who has become a priest, not on the basis of regulation as to his ancestry, but on the basis of an indestructible life. For it is declared, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek, speaking of Jesus. The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless. For the law made nothing perfect. And a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. The former regulation, the Jewish temple laws and processes and religious observances are all set aside. Have you ever wondered why we're, we, we don't practice Judaism? Why we're not messianic Jewish revivalists? The, the nation of Israelite people where, you know, where we women sit on this side, the men sit on that side, there's a curtain between us and we pretend, you know, and Daniel with his beard and his big hat wanders around the Bible and we throw things at him. Um, why we pretend to have all those old-fashioned uh, practices and stuff. Why we don't kill sheep anymore. Because those things have been set aside in Jesus Christ. He set them aside. Remember Jesus said, I have not come to destroy the law, but to perfect it. He is the pinnacle of perfection. He has completed it. In him it is done and set aside. Those things were but shadows and pictures. Types of the thing that was to come. And Jesus Christ has ended the old system. With all its do's and don'ts. With all its outward observances. You know a man could serve in the temple. And offer up sacrifices for another. Even if he wasn't a believer. It was just required of him. He could do it with a, an unrighteous heart. And it would still count. In the eyes of the law. Because it was an external system. It was a system done by men. For men. And it was only for the eye service. 
But in Christ's system, it is done by God on our behalf to change our hearts, to give us new life, to transform and change us, and to set us in right relationship with God. The former regulation is set aside because it is weak and useless. Those are those two things. First, the the system of the law was weak. Why? It did not have the strength to change your heart. You go and sin, do whatever, adultery, just be unfaithful, live a wild life, and then go to the to the uh, the priest. And offer up sacrifice and confess. And he would do all the things that they do. Chop, rip open the bird, take the blood, apply the blood. You would receive forgiveness. You would be technically, legally forgiven. But your heart would be still unchanged. And you just go and do the same thing again. And ask for forgiveness again. And it would be a continual process. But there would be no internal change. Which meant that there would be no real right standing between you and God. It was an outward thing, but not an inward thing. It was weak. The old system of religion, the old system of temple worship, the old way. And it was never meant to make you holy. It was never meant in order to bring reconciliation and transformation. Paul says in the book of Romans that the law was given to be a schoolmaster. It was to teach you of your inability. It was to make clear your need for another to come and to transform your heart. To offer up a sacrifice that would be the ultimate sacrifice on your behalf. The law was given as an instructor to you, not as one to make you perfect. You don't become better in the eyes of God by not sinning or or by trying to keep the Ten Commandments. We all know that ultimately none of us can keep the Ten Commandments. If you've broken one once, you've broken them all for forever. You are guilty under the law. It was weak and it was useless. We've talked about this again. And that he will, the writer of the Hebrews will go on to demonstrate this clearer later on in the text. In the next chapter. The one who offered up sacrifices first had to offer up a sacrifice for himself. And his time of service was limited. He only had a, a certain amount of years that he could serve in the temple. And it never brought about any kind of lasting change. Never brought about any true redemption in the hearts of those who received it. It could not bring true peace with God. People were always falling back. The writer here tells us that the old regulations, the old system of law keeping was weak and it was useless. Though this was for the Jews, we who are Gentiles, we understand this. No matter how often you try and do what's right, no matter how often you try and do what's good, 
we falter and we fail. There is no hope for us in a system of law keeping, of religious ordinances. Doesn't matter if you've been baptized as a baby, confirmed by the bishop. Doesn't matter how much money you give to the church. Doesn't matter how many good deeds you try and do to compensate for all of the wrongdoing that you have done or wrong standing in which you stand. None of it counts. The Bible says again, it's like bringing dirty diapers before a king, offering up a bouquet of Felix's dirty diapers to a king. This is what I think about you. Could you imagine if Martin came in and said to you, this is what I think of you with one of Felix's dirty diapers? You'd be like, what? No. Our good deeds are as filthy rags before the Lord. We need something else, someone else to offer up a, an acceptable sacrifice on our behalf because, on our behalf because we have dirty hands Whatever we touch becomes dirty. We need someone with clean hands and a pure heart to bring a clean and pure sacrifice to the Father. And in Jesus Christ we have that. The old system was weak and useless because it offered no hope. You had no hope under the old system. The system where you had to make yourself righteous, you have no hope. You have no hope of changing your heart. For dear sake, some of us can't even change our weight. What chance do we have to change our hearts and our standing before God? None. We're hopeless. But now under this new system, with this new priest, and I use the word new in that it is now. It was not before, but it is now. This we are able to draw near to God through the Lord Jesus Christ and his actions on our behalf. Because he is the priest from the order of Melchizedek, we have a hope and we are able to draw close to God. He stands supreme and unique and apart. And it's because of that that we can come because of that, that we who are not Jews are able to come. It is not limited to some nation, to some place, to some people, to some time 2,000 years ago. That Jesus Christ stands unique, timeless, through all epochs, eras. He stands above all nations, governments, empires. He stands timeless, borderless. He has done his work and it is finished and complete and perfected. You cannot add to it. Oh Jesus, I found this little thing here that you left undone. Let me do it for you. No. He does not need one dot or squiggly line he, there is not one unfinished thing left it is all completed and perfected in him and now we are the benefactors of it we, we receive it it comes to us and it gives us hope 
And it's by this that we are able to draw closer to God. It says here in verse 20, and again, I like this because the writer is just making sure he's banging it into your head. He wants you to know, he wants you to understand, and he wants you to walk away with it ringing in your ears. And it was not without an oath, a promise, a covenant, an arrangement, an agreement that Jesus become, oh sorry, that it was not without an oath. Others became priests without an oath. But he, that is Jesus, became a priest with an oath when God said to him. It's the idea that God never spoke to anyone, has never spoken to anyone in the, the Levitical priesthood and said, you will be a priest. You imagine, I don't know, some Jewish person, I don't even remember any Jewish names. Benjamin, that's a Jewish name. Benjamin. Benjamin of the tribe of Levi. And he's going to serve in the temple. And it's his legal requirement to serve in the temple. He's required on it. His time has come up. They did the lottery and his name comes up in the lottery. And he's not required. It's not that God says to him in the scripture somewhere in the eons past. That there's a promise that he, that one Benjamin bar Levi is going to serve in the temple. There's no promise from God. There's no oath. There's no covenant. There's no agreement. There's nothing that gives him legitimacy. He's just doing it because he's of that line and came up and his number's up and now he has to go do it. It's just part of his job, his national conscription. It's like you boys and some of you girls, I have to be complimentarian these days. Men and women can't go to the army. But all you guys, except for Daniel and me, because Daniel never went to the army because he's from Sweden. All you guys have gone to the army. You've done your national service. This is the same for the Levites. They did their national service. They went and served in the temple. Well, none of those men had a promise from God and from me in eternity past that they would serve as a priest. But Jesus has a promise. Jesus has a, an agreement, a covenant made that says here in verse 21, but became a priest by, with an oath because or when God said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. God swore in eternity past. He recognized him. That that position was made for him in eternity past. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. The immutable promise of God. It's not something new. It's not something that we've just made up and inserted into the text. But it, it was made in eternity past. And will remain in eternity future. You are a priest forever. Again, please don't think that that's just from this moment until forever. It is for as long as you can go that way. To as long as you can go that way. There is no limit to it. It is limitless. 
hard for us to understand, I know. But that's the greater, the greaterness. It's not really a word, but it's a Kyle word. We'll make it up. Of the qualifications of the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantee of a better covenant. That will lead us into our next portion. But I want you to see that Jesus Christ is something, someone greater. He fulfills a greater promise that we are not bound to the old ways. The old laws and traditions of Israel. When Jesus established, it, established his priesthood, his unique priesthood, it was him and him alone. Right? The Bible says that we are a nation of priests. That we all are to serve before God. But there isn't a select group of us. It's not just the men. And not just some of the men. And not just some of the some of the men. All of us men and women together, we are all priests before God. We are all those who stand in the presence of the Almighty. We have all been brought near to God. We have all gone behind the curtain. Not because of your goodness or your perfection that you have done by your own hands, but because of the finished work of our Lord Jesus Christ. He, in His perfection, has made a way for us. I hope you can see the legitimacy and the, the supreme nature of his priesthood. That he is alone unique and qualified to represent you and me and all people throughout all time. From Adam and Eve until the last fella who comes into the kingdom. We'll call him Steve because it rhymes with Adam and Eve. Who comes into the kingdom. Jesus is uniquely qualified to represent all of us. Not because he is of the tribe of iron. Not because of who his dad was. Not because of, of uh, any earthly qualification. But because of who he is. He is the one who represents you. Beloved, let's free our minds up. Let's not be bound to traditions and ceremonies and special sacred buildings. Let us see that the one whom we serve, the one who has drawn us closer to God, supersedes us greater than time and space and earthly traditions. He is someone unique, someone supremely qualified there is no other and he's the one who loves us and is willing to accept us and to forgive us for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son Jesus is our guarantee when people got married in the old world husbands the, the father of the husband would give the father of the bride, a guarantee, a sum of money or a plot of land. If my son doesn't marry your daughter, you can keep this. It's a guarantee 
that what will happen, what I've, what, we, what we've arranged will happen, will happen. And God gave Jesus as a guarantee, and we have received Jesus as a guarantee. God's promise to you and I is in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that is such a sure promise. And He will come back and will, and will, will, will receive us. Beloved, I want you to understand and to know in whom we have trusted. The legitimacy of his priesthood, of his office, of the greatness of it. How it supersedes and goes beyond time and space, nation, people, ancestry. How you are secure in your faith. How you can rejoice. Know that, that you have peace with God because of Jesus. Not because of what you've done. Not because of what your husband or your wife has done. Not because of who your dad was or is. But because of what Jesus has done for you. For whom he is. Amen. Let's pray. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, we pray that you'd help us. Lord, we are so ignorant in our knowledge of you. So dumb, Lord uneducated we ask you oh god to help us help us to see lord help us to glimpse the supremacy of your priesthood help us to understand how great you really are and how magnificent this work that you have done on our behalf all for the glory of the father lord i pray help us help us to to see it and to appreciate it and to live in the freeness of it. That we will not be caught up in the religions and the regulations of this world. Trying to do the, the you must do's and you must not do's. But to live in the freedom of it. Lord make a change in our hearts. Father for those who do not know you. We ask oh God that you would help them to see that they by themselves can never please you. That they by themselves are guilty in their sin. Lord that they are held hostage under the old system still and that the only one who can set them free is our lord jesus christ that he stands there willing and i said come come all who are heavy laden and burdened and i will give you rest we pray oh god that you would open up their eyes and help them lord give them a hunger and a thirst a desire for righteousness that can only be slated in you oh lord we pray these things for your glory and your glory alone in Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. amen.